So everyone, welcome again. Today we have Paul Corsage, British designer and artist with us. Hello Paul, how are you? Oh, hello there. Very, very well, thank you so much. It's really great to be talking to you. Um, I'm uh, in, in London and it's a, a great day because finally the, the sun has, has peered itself and it, everyone's in a very good mood here. Yeah, weather is very important in times like this. <laughs> Very much so. But like, I think, you know, what I've noticed, even just this morning and over the weekend, you know, like London as a city, it's such a, it's such a place full of people and desperate to interact and be together. And uh, yeah, the sun really helps that. So it's, it's great. Great. So to start with, tell us something about you. What, who are you? What do you do? And how did you start what you are doing now? So um, we, we describe the studio as a, a design studio, but design as, as a word, which is very kind of far reaching in many directions. So we work on many different types of projects from kind of um, industrial design, product design, to public art, to sculpture, to one-off limited edition collectible um, pieces and everything else as well, small scale architecture. So the kind of the spirit of the, the studio is ideas and creativity and that means that if I have a thought that I feel could be an exciting project for the studio to work on we we give it a go and we we, we experiment and we try new things and we try to bring ideas to life and that means the studio is full of experimentation and um, excitement really because we're kind of working in territories that are unfamiliar we're trying to do things that haven't been done before. I remember the first project I saw of you was the installation you had at the VNA Museum in London, I think maybe 2010 or something like that. It's called yeah. The Gun of Wind. And I remember that it's a very beautiful sculpture. It's like a pile of paper being grown into the air. It's like a, you capture a very, like, you, you freeze a moment of time. So there's a very beautiful project I know of you. Can you tell us something about that project? Yeah, it was a really kind of a very kind of organic project, actually, because there, it was during the London Design Festival, which has been a really, um, you know, it's been very supportive of our studio and being in London, obviously, means that kind of creative links and discussions happen very fast. Um, and so we had this, the venue, the V&A, as an incredible place to show design from many different creative people from all over the world during London Design Festival. And there was... Um, a material sponsor who had in a way a relatively new material for designers at that time which was Corian and I was given a little piece of it a little block like this and they said can you think of something to do with it and I thought to myself you know my associations with it is kind of very flat heavy kind of pieces of furniture let's say or kitchen surfaces which is not my world at all and I wasn't particularly excited about kind of doing something like that. So I sort of did the opposite, which was to make it appear as though it's floating, moving. And as you say, kind of a, creating this kind of still moment. So we, we started to kind of heat it and hand shape it and work on this kind of suspension of these, these shapes. And, you know, it, it's an old project, but what was really exciting about it is because people like yourselves kind of, can describe it and it's something that 
has an association with a lot of different people. And it's been actually a connector to a lot of clients, actually. They've seen this image and they've been interested to discuss and to meet me in the studio and see what we can do on other, other projects. But it was, a, it was a project, yeah, as you say, 2010, a long time ago, but it's, it's always with, with me somehow. Yeah, it's very, it's very mem memorable. And to be in that space and the experience, the relationship you build with the pieces, I think that's, that's the beautiful part of it. And I think a lot of your projects are based, as you say, based on material, how you interpret uh, a, a kind of uh, a material or resources and time and space. Is that right? Well, yeah, I mean, there's, there's always, you know, all projects you know they, they, they have layers of meaning you know and some people's experience all of them and some people for, for different reasons just experience an, certain dimensions of it but for me personally I'm trying to kind of give it as, as many layers as possible because for me the more layers you have the more the, the stronger it is you know the more resilient it is the more timeless it can become and so you know we always think about where the work is going to be placed we're always thinking about you know the, the the light coming in from from the from the sky, and we're thinking about the way people will be around it. We're thinking about scale. We're thinking about you know sustainability and materials and all of these different types of things. But in a way, I, I rely on my very basic instinct, which I'm I'm just trying to sort of bring joy to people. I, I'm trying to make people feel good and uh, improve people's lives somehow. So it always starts with that simple feeling because that's kind of what I want from my, my, my home and my city and my world. That's ideally what I would like to have. And then once an idea starts to, to bubble up, we, we, we give it more to give it that strength. Yeah, very interesting. So actually each of the pieces you create actually for a specific space or time. So it can't be really copied or, or, or recreate in a way, right? And it reminds me, another project of you, I think is so insane, but so brilliant, is the, the one called uh, Excavation Effected yeah. project. So tell us about the story. The story is just fascinating. Yeah, so, I mean, this project, I was approaching 40, or I was 40, you know, I was at that moment where I'm, you know, I've been doing this for a long time, you know, I, I kind of, you know, creativity was definitely, you know, me, you know, like it's my, my jacket is creativity. That's the thing. And my studio, my creative home is also a part of my identity. And, you know, London was going for a really interesting moment at this moment in time, a few years ago, we had, we had kind of political kind of, you know, drama here, you know, we had, you know, Brexit and it was, it was an interesting place. And we had London, which was still pushing forward. It was very expensive, a lot of developments and, the area of town that I was in, which was Hackney, which is quite a, a, a very kind of creative place, was going for transformation. And we had our landlord knock on our door and he described how he wanted to take our studio, demolish our studio and build some luxury apartments, which for him was a brilliant idea for him commercially, fantastic. Um, and I have a good relationship with him, by the way. So I was in one way, very pleased for him because that was his dream. But on the other side, I was imagining my studio just disappearing and that feeling was qu quite a difficult to, to grasp. So after we had that conversation, I said goodbye, but I remember walking around the studio and looking kind of at this, at the walls, at the floor and thinking, it's all gonna go. So 
my instinct, strangely, was before it disappeared, I would excavate. And what I mean by that, I would dig on into the ground and take concrete, all of those, that kind of, as you say, time and meaning of material, take two tons of concrete, which we did, which was an incredible process, and then build um, some pieces of furniture, which were then exhibited in Milan during um, Milan Design Week. So it, as I say, like at the beginning, when we first spoke, like my ideas come from so many different places. And this one came from a situation I was, I found myself in. Um, but what an amazing kind of journey. And that excavation process was so intense and so um, insightful in terms of material exploration and discovery, really. Yeah, it's also like an incredible uh, teamwork as well, because I can imagine the process is not uh, an easy one. <laughs> I mean, when you look at the pieces of furniture, there's a kind of stillness and there's a almost like a calm feeling about them because they're, they're finished and we really wanted to work with the with the concrete and the stone in a very artisan way in a very kind of perfect form but to get to that point was an incredible energy and and in some way uh, an aggression there because there was we had big machines that were drilling into the ground and they made the sound of like five sports cars driving down a street you know it was you know you you had to cover your ears and we were cutting into the ground, extracting these cores of concrete. Um, and it, it was passion. It was, this wasn't, a, this, when we financed this project, we stopped the studio, you know, we stopped all work, you know, the phones were disconnected. We had, my staff were working from their bedrooms on the laptop, just writing emails. But in the daytime, they were, they were drilling and excavating. So, we, you know, we had a very uh, fascinating three or four or five months. <laughs> wow, that's a really long process. And I remember I asked you this question, but I don't, I don't remember if you answered me. So you were doing it kind of secretly. Well, the thing, this, the, the interesting thing is that it's no longer a secret because I, I, I've spoken about it, but my landlord, who I, I must say again, I have a good relationship with him. He actually lives on the same street as the studio. So we was in this quite awkward situation where, you know, we, <laughs> I had my car parked against the gates so that he couldn't come in because if he did, he would have been like, what is happening? You know, like what you're meant to be a design studio working on computers and, you know, and, you know, bits of paper. Why, why is it a building site? So we had this quite interesting um, kind of uh, kind of time where we were kind of sort of hiding and I remember I think it overlapped Christmas and he wanted to give us a Christmas card and you know and I was like I'll, I'll meet you on the street you know let's go for a walk and he was like oh, I'll go into the studio so there was an interesting kind of you know there's a performance to this as well and funnily enough the pictures that document the process in some way are as good or if not better than the than the pieces of furniture they are you know they they really show like the, the, the energy of the performance of the excavation. So it's, it's all, and I've said, I've said it on the last project, but this one is really with me as well, because when we work on other projects, like we, we take that kind of inspiration where like trying to make something site specific, trying to really consider the local conditions and the culture and the, and just, you know, the environment is like, it makes projects, as you say, very unique. And, you know, if someone does something like it, it just it's just it can't be described in the same way because they come from a different place you know 
Yeah, so I think it's a, it's a very beautiful closure you have uh, with, with the space and with your past uh, 10 years or more years of work. And uh, do you know where the piece is now? The pieces, well, I mean, this is the thing as well. Like we, we did this, I mean, um, we did the, we, sh we showed the work during um, Milan and it was a, a very non-commercial um, installation. There was no branding, there was no sponsor. It was just the, in the basement of this building. We showed the work, we had a video, it was raw. And it was very interesting because Milan, a lot of Milan Design Week is very commercial because it has to be, but we were operating in a slightly different kind of rhythm, if you like. We were sort of, you know, we were just people who just wanted to show work to a large audience. That was our idea. And people really liked them and people wanted to buy them. Um, and this is where, you know, it's it's awkward for me because I didn't want to really sell them because because <laughs> they meant so much to me. Like they, they, were, they were like pieces of furniture that I couldn't, that just had so much like emotional connection. So what we've done is we've, 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 I think there's a few pieces in museums, which is fantastic, which means that they're open to the public. And I think uh, one piece has been sold, but with the, the idea that if I wanted to have an exhibition, they could all come back together. So, you know, uh, which I think is important because, you know, people like myself and there's many creative people who are very genuine with their creative expression. We're not kind of, we're not kind of commercial, let's say, we're not given briefs many, many times, you know, and, and the work, um, it should be able to sort of have a connection to the public, not just hidden in one place for one person, you know, but hey, that's, that's, another, that's another discussion. Yeah, that's very true. And I found that uh, one of your most recent collection called the Slum Rock Collection, it's kind of have the same kind of flavor, I think, compared to, 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 the, to the project. We just talk about the brutality of the material and the precisions of the process. Can you tell us something about that one? Yeah, so this, this, this um, piece of work was um, a collaboration with our London Gallerist Carpenters Workshop, which is a, a very new relationship, but a very exciting one because they're just in central London and they're very, um, they're very ambitious as a gallery, you know, they they want to achieve a lot and they're very passionate. Um, and so that was a very nice emotional connection to myself because I, I have similar kind of energy. And um, this project came about because I was looking at um, industrial glass, you know, glass that you see in, you know, in buildings and facades and, you know, kind of very functional pieces of materials, which in a way for me, I, you know, I, I forget how beautiful glass is. It's transparent, it's strong, it's, you know, architectural. Um, but like most materials, if you heat them up, they become, they become soft and they move. And I'm interested by that. I'm interested about, about kind of giving energy into some a material and seeing what happens. And that's what we did. We took sheets of industrial glass and heated them up and let them fall over these natural materials and so I was going to quarries and getting big rocks and then heating glass and allowing them to slowly move over the, the glass. And then I turned off the oven and then they, they freeze, they kind of, they still. And so we created these pieces of furniture called slum. And the idea is about contrast. It's about transparency and kind of perceived lightness against raw rocks, nature. So kind of, you know, human made materials with, 
natural made materials and these contrasts and these transparencies and layers. And, and in a way, quite importantly, you know, so many people talk about it's a one-off, but actually many things people say are one-offs, they can actually be duplicated and they all look the same. Whereas with this particular body of work, you know, every rock obviously is unique, you know? You have kind of an obsession in terms of processes. Right. This is something I, 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 I found out in like all of your projects. You always try to find a new way to do things. You don't follow the old ways. You don't use anything old. Yeah, I think, I think that's the, that is definitely my design background. You know, I went to the Royal College of Art. I, I, I was taught by Ron Arad, who is, you know, in, you know, for me still such an inspiration because he's he's a free spirit. You know, he he you know, he can operate in many, many different territories. And I suppose what he he gave us a bit of him to his students was, you know, why would you want to do something that's been done before? Like, wh why, why would we waste this small amount of time, <laughs> this unique opportunity we have being alive and being creative and being lucky enough to pursue our creative dreams? Why would we do something that's been done? So that kind of put us under pressure because it means that, you know, we have to sort of become inventors as well. And like, I, I sometimes say, you know, I, I collaborate with science as though it's an invisible collaborator because I'm, I'm trying to kind of do something and configure things in, in new ways to see what happens. And I think that, that journey with science and engineering is quite fascinating, you know? And I think that, that kind of allows our studio to bridge between all these different kind of disciplines as well. Yeah, and recently one of your public artwork, uh, Please Be Seated, is traveling in China now. I think that's also a very interesting project to understand your way of like how, how you interpret uh, public space and how you create things for a mass audience. Yeah, so this, this project with a very polite title, Please Be Seated, I thought it was quite a nice title, which, um, you know, it, it sort of, it, it gives you a hint at what to do with the work. And that was quite important because it's a, it's a public project and we wanted it to be something, um, you know, that for, for people. And so what it is, it's uh, these, these waves of sustainable timber that kind of loop up and loop down and the loops up allow you to walk through and the loops down allow you to sit and rest. And visually it's, it's very seductive. Like we did the computer render and I kind of couldn't stop looking at the screen. I was like, that's um, like, I, wow, I was so intrigued by it, but it's such a simple shape as well. You know, you go to the top and it's three circles, but you come down and it's, it's almost something, it's, it's very sculptural. It's very seductive. You kind of want to walk through it and it's got a center point. It's kind of, it's almost like a sort of mini stadium, let's say. And so we did this kind of piece and we made it. And what was interesting is that when it was released to the public, people really took hold of it and it became theirs. It became part of the community. People were, you know, sleeping, lying, interacting. People were dancing. I mean, it was such a joyful kind of experience. And that started in London as a temporary piece. And then our friends, um, um, Swire Properties, they, they contacted and they were quite intrigued by it as an object because they, as a, as a company, they have many different public spaces and they, they thought that China could be a great place to tour it. 
And I was very open to the idea. You know, I said, look, for me, this is about reaching as many people as possible. So we made one. I think we made two. I think there might even be another one somewhere. In, in, but they, they kind of, they moved around different cities. And then they, they, their final resting place will be in two cities. So it's actually quite kind of exciting, you know, for me to be working on something on a computer in Hackney in London. And then suddenly I get, I check my Instagram and I've, I've been tagged to all these pictures of all these people having like a joyful time around something that we've designed. And, and I think its strength is that the beauty isn't what me or my studio have done. It's actually how people have, been, have took ownership of, of it and it's became sort of part of a community. Yeah, I think that, that's great because even even now it's a bit difficult to travel, but then your work still can reach people far, far away physically. I think that's really great. It's amazing, yeah. And and you know the, those types of projects that we do, especially coming out of this strange kind of year and a half we've gone through. You know, all most of the things that go through my head when I when I I'm trying to forget these things, but it's about social distancing and like distances and don't be here and don't do this and don't do this. And now we're kind of hopefully confidently moving into another space. You know, I think these objects in public spaces or good architecture or basically good design and art, if they can somehow enable that coming together again um, in a safe way, of course, is, is I think people really need that, even if they don't, feel as though they do need it once they experience it they will they will realize what they've they've missed and personally i've missed that yeah very true and do you do you notice are there any differences between people in europe and people in china how do they interact with, with the piece do you see any differences um to be to be honest Obviously, there's different surprises. You know, there's different. There's a lot of dancing, to be honest. There's a lot of dancing, and then, to be honest, a lot of romance. I mean, there's a lot of people who, you know, have first dates there, and there's a lot of kind of, you know, <laughs> intimacy. You know, and uh, I think in London it was it was near a bar, and so there, there was a lot of drinking. But I think we're I suppose we're quite obsessed with drinking over here. But I think um, there's a lot of you know it's it's hard to, dis, to 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 define. You know, I think one thing that that's happening a lot is conversation. And, and laughing and talking and I think interacting with people in a different way. Um, and I think that's the thing that connects. But, you know, I, I haven't actually seen the, the, actually, I haven't been to China yet. So it's such a shame. I've, I've, I was used to going there once a month or once every two months and I haven't seen the work firsthand. But from the photographs, it's got that same, that, that kind of human touch, that connection. That's also very interesting. The work when 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 they travel to different places, it has a, a very different life for itself. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, obviously the backdrop is very different. You know, I think in London, you know, although we talk about London as being like kind of uh, you know having like a lot of towers, but actually it's quite low compared to um, some of the cities in China. And I think that's really interesting. So you have something that's you know we're operating on the horizontal, and then it's surrounding it. It's very tall, tall buildings, and that's quite interesting because I'm I'm also we did consider what it looks like from the top from people in apartments or you know working in offices looking down onto it I think that's quite important to to when you look out of a window you just don't see other buildings you see street life because otherwise you sort of get lost in this um you know this this tower and I think looking out and seeing laughter and markets and people and trees and all that kinds of things is, is very healthy 
And do you think, because what I can imagine is moving forward because of the pandemic, people might develop a different relationship with public space or how they understand social relationship or interaction. So do you think in the future, the demand of public space will change and will it affect the work, what, what you are doing now? I think what I mean, this wasn't a conscious move. I think what we've done, you know, we've started quite quite small, you know, in a way like kind of almost like objects or yeah, just like pieces of design, let's say, which were never described as kind of functional pieces, but they had the kind of scale of design. And then we we naturally moved into kind of public projects. And that was because I just had I was sort of just getting kind of I suppose a little bit bored about just seeing an object in a magazine and just no one around it. So I wanted to kind of create experiences and pieces of design that interacted with the public. And so we kind of naturally moved into that, that space. And then because as, as, as we've spoken about, I'm so interested in materials and kind of experimentation that we started to kind of move into sort of architecture and small scale architectural projects. But then there comes a point where to do big pieces of architecture, you need a huge team and you need to really up the game and that just, I suppose it didn't necessarily feel as though I, we wanted to move in that direction because I, I really just needed to feel very close to the projects I, I was doing. And so we, we started to do big pieces, but they weren't the buildings. They were sort of like the things outside the buildings or the things when you, you know, they're more experiences, they're more kind of public art projects. And then it's quite fascinating because suddenly we're operating almost like architects, but we have you know, we have a, a lot more freedom and we have, a, we, things are faster and there's a much closer connection to the client. And I think that's really interesting. And so we're in this space now and because our clients are developing so many different types of things, there's always public squares, there's always lobbies, there's always, you know, we need canopies, we need, you know, these, these kind of in-between bits, which for me is fulfilling the architectural ambition, but without the sort of, a hundred people in a studio in central London with all of the, you know, the, the pressure that, that comes in. Because remember my, as I said at the beginning, I'm trying to protect creativity. And to do that, I think a smaller team can be sometimes for different creative peoples more beneficial. Yeah, that's, that's, that's very true. And talking about architecture, you did something, I think it's one of your biggest projects yet. I mean, in terms of scale of, of, the, of the building object. And um, you are one of the finalists of the Expo 2020 in Dubai for the British Pavilion. Yeah. But uh, sadly, we're not going to see your work because you didn't, you didn't get it at the end. But I really like the concept of what you created because to have a space for unity, possibility and collaborations, I think that's the, the exact thing we need now. Can you tell us something about the project? The yeah, so this, this, this was um, a collaboration with um, Arup, which were the engineering partner, and IDOM, which is an architectural company. So that was you know, we needed that sort of team to deliver the project because as a studio, we couldn't do it, but we were leading the creative side. And I, I you know, it was, you know, again, a fascinating time um, when we were kind of thinking about, you know, what could this pavilion do? You know, and the theme of the expo was about how countries can work together, collaborate to, you know, to innovate and come up with solutions to help all of us, you know, tackle some of the serious problems that we've got coming as, as a world and I think 
that was sort of such a kind of a, it had an emotional connection to me because that these are the important things. And that idea of collaborating was, was, um, was something I wanted to capture with the pavilion. And so I had that as an inspiration, but I also had some of my walks around the marshes and I, I was, I walk the dog and I always kind of go into the kind of, my, my dog loves the, 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 the kind of foresty bits. And when you duck in the, the trees, there's always these beautiful colors and there's always, you know, sunlight coming, coming through leaves and there's these layers of color. And I, it just makes me feel good. And I've, I, I witnessed that people love being around color because it, it somehow connects us to our emotions. And so what, what we did is we, instead of like just designing ourselves we looked at all of the participating countries of the expo and we took inspiration from their their flags because outside every pavilion everyone has their flag and each flag has its own colors and so we we took all these different colors and then we kind of brought them all together into like a living watercolor facade of the pavilion and I think that was quite I still think it's quite a, a beautiful idea because it's sort of you can kind of see the, the British flag colors, but they're kind of blending into all these other things. It, it, the idea, the original idea isn't as important as the way it feels, but it somehow, it captures the, the kind of participation of all these different countries. Um, and I've, I've said this a few times before, but although we didn't win because we were, we were working with Arab and Idom, we designed this building and we considered everything, you know, that it was, Fully, fully budgeted. We knew how to make it. We had tests of the of the facade, and I sometimes forget that it's not built because in my head I can clearly see it. So I do actually one day hope to to be able to do something with that concept because I still think it's it's something that people will be an observer to it, but feel as though they're they're part of it. Yeah, because you have created that already, and you can actually place it wherever you want. Yeah, yeah, it's really interesting, really interesting. Um, but I was also, as I was talking about um, the slump pieces and, you know, that and, and, and Swire and, you know, some of the, the clients that we work with, I think it's also important to talk about um, Friedman Bender, which is my New York gallerist, and uh, especially Mark Bender, who's been sort of someone who, um, you know, he does this with many people, but with, with myself, we've, we've really kind of collaborated on so many different projects from the very, very beginning. And I think, you know, some excavation eviction was part of the Friedman Bender collection. And I think it's just, it's nice to acknowledge actually for someone like myself who is so passionate and has a lot of energy and dedicating their life to, to their craft, let's say, when they meet people or companies with that same enthusiasm, um, that's a really truly mag magical moment, you know, because that's how ideas start and they're born. Yeah, that's very beautiful how you describe the relationship. So are there any new projects you can, you can share? Are you working with, on anything with them recently? We're always doing some, uh, there's always things happening with uh, Friedman Bender in New York and there. And I think what's, what's really fascinating is that their clients are, I mean, not just them, actually. I, I just see it around. Everyone's getting more ambitious. They, they, the scales are changing. The, even if we're talking about a table, it's not a table for five people. It's a table for 25 people. You know, it's like it's people are becoming more, they're, they're trying to create interior spaces that are, they're not just about function. They're about telling stories. And, you know, 
if if these opportunities come our way, that's a delightful thing because suddenly we're not talking only about the practicalities. We're talking about the kind of the poetry of the idea and the, sc the sculptural side of these 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 pieces. Um, but yeah, we're working on some public projects. We've, we're launching a a new piece in 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 Hong Kong soon as well. And uh, yeah, there's there's a lot happening, and I, I'm I'm very pleased personally that London is finally getting back because London is, is is a very kind of global city and I suppose we we can't wait to get working and get connecting with the world again really. Great thank you very much Paul hopefully we will see you soon if not your pieces we're very welcome you to Dubai. Thank you so much I'd love to I'd love to love to be there and uh, it's been lovely chatting it's always nice to talk about work because I'm, I'm usually just doing it and actually to, to talk about it and reflect actually makes me see it in a different way so thank you for your time yeah it's always very fascinating and inspiring to talk to you i enjoyed it very much thank you so much see you soon see you soon bye-bye see ya bye.